Detours with Regina Brett, where in 10 minutes or less, you get tips, tools, and takeaways to help you love yourself, your life, and everyone in it. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Regina Brett. My friend Ruth always tells me, don't believe everything you think. Oh, the nonsense my brain can conjure up. The fears, the resentments, the dramas. It's like a movie theater that plays the worst B-movies some days. My friend Aaron, who's a recovering alcoholic, said something profound once. My brain is trying to kill me. I laughed, but realized it was true for me too. Imagine if you could record all those thoughts and play them back. I wouldn't stay friends with someone who is as negative and critical of me as I am to myself. Or as another friend in recovery said, I need to evict those people who live rent-free in my head. Once you evict those thoughts, you can invite new ones in. Wouldn't it be amazing to actually see your thoughts from a distance? I love that device in the Harry Potter books where you can download what's in your brain and see the cloudy haze of thoughts and memories that clutter your mind. It was called a pensive and looked like a large shallow stone bowl. The fictional device allowed you to extract memories or excess thoughts, review them later on from kind of a third person point of view, and actually see the patterns, links, and habits of thoughts that clutter the mind or that free it. Usually the thoughts that bombard me are various forms of self-doubt. Who doesn't feel like a loser on the inside? Apparently a lot of us do. I once read a Wall Street Journal article that talked about the caustic commentary that runs through your head. The headline grabbed me, silencing the voice that says you're a fraud. Wow, who among us doesn't think they're a fraud? It turns out a lot of us play host to a parasite, an inner critic, a poorly behaved roommate. Even people who seem so successful on the outside, doctors, executives, scholars, have a constant companion in their heads that do battle and tells them they aren't good enough. Do women suffer more than men? I don't know. I'm guilty of overthinking, and so are most women I know. Most men I know seem to have an off button. They can hear bad news right before bed, worry for two minutes, say goodnight, and snore away. Meanwhile, their spouses stay up half the night ruminating over the bad news. Most guys I know seem to go into a man cave and escape the noise. Maybe they don't have any noise in their heads and sneak away to escape what spills out of our noisy brains. I rarely know what men are thinking. When I ask my husband or sons, they usually say nothing. That's not true for all men. I've met a few men who suffer mercilessly. My friend Rob goes for a daily walk with his doubts and beats himself up for all his perceived imperfections and mistakes. He calls it his daily flog. Like Rob's, my brain manufactures all kinds of nonsense. I'm missing an off button, but at least I'm learning to turn down the volume on self-criticism. I had to after I scored off the charts on a Wall Street Journal quiz to see how self-critical I was. On the dysfunctional attitude scale, I scored in the, quote, high level of self-criticism and perfectionism, end quote, category. I constantly believe people would think less of me if I make a mistake. When chances are good, they aren't even thinking about me. Then again, because I've been a newspaper columnist, readers leave rants in my voicemail, write nasty blog comments if they disagree, so it's not always easy to set aside the negative. I've tried replacing the negative with the positive. I take affirmations inside the medicine cabinet to read in the morning. What really changed it for good was when I realized that my thoughts have the power to create my life. What kind of life do you want to create? A scary one? A friendly one? A joyful one? A sad one? I often pause and ask myself, Regina, do you want to be happy? Then I tell myself, 
then let's think and act like it. So how do you evict the inner critic? The counselors that I saw years ago and the books I've read and my friends in recovery programs offer endless tips that have helped, like these. Keep a journal and log your thoughts. Go back and skim your writing weeks later to see what patterns are holding you back. Then decide how to break those patterns with new thoughts and actions. Practice releasing negative thoughts as soon as they come in and recognize them as unhealthy. I found it helpful to carry an extra positive thought written down on an index card in my back pocket. I use it as my thought replacer. It's something to read and say to myself over and over whenever doubtful thoughts seem to take over. Thought in, thought out, thought replaced. You can focus your attention on how you can be of service to others. When in doubt, help someone else and get out of yourself. Distract yourself from overthinking. Every time you catch yourself stuck in worry, say something that lightens you up and distracts you from the worry. Use a word that jolts you away from the negative, like banana split, sunflowers, vacation. Allocate half an hour a day to overthinking. Set aside one time to do it and remind yourself the rest of the day, it's not that time right now, so put those thoughts aside. At the end of every week, jot down small achievements, victories, blessings to savor. It's also useful to use the vice of friends in recovery. They constantly tell me to audit my thoughts, to not believe everything I think, but to question my thoughts and see if they're based on fact or fiction. I've learned to pause and ask myself, is this thought a fact or is it a fiction I've conjured up to scare me? Is there solid proof to back this up as fact? Does holding on to this thought enhance my life or diminish it? Does thinking this way increase or decrease my chances of being happy, joyous, and free? Does thinking this way take me closer to joy or further away? Pop, pop, pop. Those questions burst every thought bubble that comes up. Laugh all you want, but give it a try. I'm still working on remnants of the chronic I'm not enough message. One summer on the beach, I prayed to be free of it once and for all. I looked out at the sea over the horizon and asked, when will I ever believe that I'm enough? How will that ever heal? The answer came swift and loud enough to hear over the crashing waves. By helping others believe they are enough. Bingo. Even my inner critic liked it. Thanks for listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett. I'm grateful you joined me and hope you keep coming back. You can subscribe to Little Detours with Regina Brett at Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, please give me a rating review so I can reach even more people. If you want more inspiration, head to my website, reginabrett.com. And while you're there, sign up for weekly inspiration for all of life's little detours. Thanks again for listening. Now go make something possible. <music>